Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. So this morning we're, we're going to look at this miracle of Jesus where he takes five loaves and two fish and he, he feeds probably about 10,000 people. Uh, I hope that as we look at the story that you'll learn more about who Jesus is. And I'm hoping you'll see who God wants to be for you. As you know, the first four books of the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell the story of Jesus from a different perspective. This story of the multiplying of the loaves and the fish is the only miracle that is recorded in all four of those books. That should give you some indication of how important uh, this story is to our understanding of Jesus and who he is and what he came to teach. Now, what you need to know is this. Jesus never came to do a miracle just for a miracle's sake. Yeah, the miracle was needed at the time, uh, but the people, the people were hungry, and so he fed them. But Jesus always had a number of purposes. Uh, there was always a message inside the miracle. And I believe that the message inside this miracle is important for you and for me today. It communicates the heart of Jesus. It also tells us who we are to be. This story is about identity. It's about who Jesus is and about who we are. But before we get to the story of the feeding of the 5,000, I want to take you to the story right before this one. Found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. It says this. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch, a kind of a ruler of his time, heard the reports about Jesus and said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. That's, that's why these miraculous powers are at work within Jesus. Now, Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because, well, they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give them whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, well, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. King was distressed, but because of his oath and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted. And John was beheaded in prison. His head was brought on the platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciple came and, and took his body away and buried it. Then they told Jesus. Here in Matthew 14, you have this story happening just before the feeding of the, the 5,000. You have the story of two meals being told. We have a contrast between Herod's dinner party and the meal that Jesus provides for the 5,000. Herod's dinner party is well, it's uh, characterized by opulence. Jesus' meal was just bread and fish, most basic of food. Herod's party was characterized by hatred. Jesus' meal was brought about by compassion. Herod's party ends in death. Jesus' meal sustains life. The contrast couldn't be more deliberate or more complete. We see from the, low, the story of the loaves and the fish, Jesus, Jesus is powerful, but he is very different from the powerful kings of his time. So come with me to our story, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, 
he withdrew from a boat privately to a solitary place. Uh, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. When Jesus heard what had happened, when he heard that John the Baptist had been executed, that his cousin had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. He was hurting and he was grieving. If uh, it was in our time, uh, some of us would phrase it, well, Jesus needed some me time or some Jesus time. He needed to grieve. He, he needed time to be alone. He need, needed time to be uh, with uh, time to himself. He needed time to recharge. Now, I want you to know and remember that, that, the most, that Jesus was the most emotionally healthy person ever to walk this planet. And he had it all together spiritually as well. There was no emotional dysfunction. He wasn't emotionally stunted. He was completely whole. He had a spiritual life together. He, he was the best spiritually and emotionally integrated person ever to live in this world. But when he hit tragedy, he looked for a quiet spot, a spot to rejuvenate and renew. People, there are ebbs and flows to life. Um, and there are some times when it's appropriate to take some time off, some time away. But some of us, we're not wise enough to disengage when tough things come. And so we put our heads down and we try to bull through them. Let me suggest that if Jesus, the most emotionally and spiritually healthy person ever to live, needed to time away when he got some really bad news, you might need the same. But you know, sometimes life doesn't always give us that space. Jesus went to this solitary uh, place and, and found out that, well, it wasn't solitary. The crowds had followed him there. And Jesus' response to the crowd was this. He had compassion on them. He loved them. That is his nature. When he looks at you, and sees your pain and trouble. He has compassion on you. There are those of us when we're hurting, we see people in need, and um, because we're hurting, we become so egocentric, so demanding of our me time that we forget to have compassion. We do the opposite of putting our head and down and barreling through. Uh, we become centered on ourselves and it seems to be all about us and our and our emotions and and we don't have time for anyone else there's a happy medium there when you go through tough times in life you need space you need time to process but don't become so me focused that you forget everybody else be like jesus hit that medium well, Jesus spent the day teaching and healing. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late, so send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. There can be times when Jesus is annoying. Um, 
You know, the disciples had a good heart, right? They saw the need. The, the people had been in this solitary place all day, and there were no Burger Kings uh, uh, nearby. There weren't people out hawking kosher hot dogs. There, there were no Tim Hortons. There, there was nothing but rocks and dirt and hungry people. And the disciples saw the need, and they came up with a very pragmatic solution. Send the people away so they can get something to eat. But here's where Jesus can be challenging. They do not, do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, we're told at the end of the passage that there were 5,000 men plus women and children. So 12 disciples were looking over the sea of humanity, probably 10,000 some people. And Jesus is saying, you give them something to eat. We're going to have a barbecue after church. We can feed 100 people. Yeah, 10,000 people, a little outside our wheelhouse, got to say. You know, talk about feeling under-resourced. Here are the disciples, you know, they hadn't made a, a trip to Independent. They, they, they didn't have any propane stoves. There were 12,000, there were 12 of them, 10,000 people. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Jesus wasn't giving them a difficult task. He was giving them an impossible task. See, difficult tasks we can handle. You know, COVID has shown us that, right? Difficult, we can handle. For the last couple of years, you know, we've been faced with challenges and worked through them, and this church has been wonderful, good board, good leaders. God has been faithful. We pray, we work together, we talk together, we come up with a solution. We have some really smart and helpful people in our church, and, uh, you know, uh, together we meet the challenges. I believe that God's called us to bring our best to the table to meet those challenges. When those challenges are met, we celebrate what God has done. It's all good. We can handle difficult stuff. But our difficult stuff would be the equivalent in our story of Jesus said to his disciple, okay, will you walk 10 miles to the nearest village and bring back enough food for 100 people? That they could do. Wouldn't be easy, but that they could do. That's not what he said. He said, you feed the 10,000. Why do you think he asks them to do the impossible? Here's the thing. He wants them to know that what is impossible for them is possible through him. And he wants you to know that too. What is impossible for you is, is possible through him. You need to know that when somebody has hurt you deeply and you know you need to forgive them, but oh, it hurts. What is impossible for you to do is possible through him. You need to know that when you're, you're fighting an addiction and it's got the better of you and, and you, you're trying over and over again to stop or start whatever you need to do, you can't seem to do it. What is impossible for you is possible through him. But isn't that what the Christian life is all about? You know, it's impossible for us to be good enough or holy enough or uh, keep all the, the commandments uh, for us to be connected with God. Our, our best efforts always fall short. It's impossible for us to get to God. But what is impossible for us is possible through him. So instead of making us 
be good enough to get to him, God came to us in the person of his son, Jesus. He says, I want a relationship with you, and I want to walk with you, and I want you to know me, and I want me to know you. But, you know, to, to do that, we need to deal with the garbage that's in our relationship, and uh, the Bible calls that garbage sin. God says, I, I know it's impossible for you to deal with your own sin, but uh, I'll give you, if you get, will give Jesus your sin, he'll give you his goodness. He'll give you his rightness, his righteousness. What's impossible for you is possible through Jesus. God then lets us know that, that if we do that, that he's going to give us his Holy Spirit inside us. And he gives us the power to do what is impossible in our own strength. Being a follower of Jesus is impossible unless God makes it possible. Having a personal relationship with God is impossible unless God makes it possible. But here's the good news. God's willing to make it possible for anybody who asks, anybody who, who wants to see that in their life. If you've never asked Jesus to deal with the garbage in your life, I would encourage you to do that. Just talk to him. Say, Lord, come into my life. I can't deal with my own sin, but you can. I'm trusting you to take it away and help me to walk with you. Well, back to our story. We have, verse 17, we have only five loaves of bread and two fishes, they, answer, they, they answered. Yeah, so, well, what do you have? And so he said, we, we have five loaves and two, uh, and two fish. I, I'm reading this story, and I find this response really interesting. Um, if it were me, 10,000 people, five loaves, two fish, that's not worth mentioning, right? You'll notice that Jesus didn't say, well, you should have brought more. He didn't say, well, you know, if you had 20 loaves and 10 fish, I could do something with it. Jesus takes the situation for what it is. And that's the way he is. He takes us right where we're at. He doesn't say, well, if you had a little bit more, if you were a little bit better, if you, if, if, if you could do all the right stuff, if you could clean up, then, then we could do something, right? Then you could come to me. Then we could have a relationship together. That's not who Jesus is. He doesn't say, you deal with the problems now, and then when you get it under control, then, then, then you can come to me. Some of you have the tendency to beat yourself up over the choices you made in the past. If only I'd done this, or only I'd done that, then we'd be so much further ahead. But Jesus takes you right where you're at. And then he says to the disciples, bring them to me. Bring the five loaves, two fish to me. Jesus doesn't ask to give us, uh, for us to give more than we have. He just asks to give us what we have. And he asks us to come to him. Verse 19. So he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and, and he broke the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Five loaves, two fish. He takes what you give them, give him, and he blesses them. The crowd was satisfied. Each of the disciples ended up with a full basket. The miracle 
This miracle is a good reminder for the church as well. I like what uh, one of the books I was reading uh, said about this miracle. It says, the miracle is a, special, special, uh, is a spiritual lesson for disciples of every generation. The hungry multitude is always present. There are always a little band of disciples with seemingly pitiful resources, and always there is a compassionate Savior. When disciples are willing to give him their little, he multiplies it to feed thousands. I know often I need to be reminded of this truth. There's some Sundays when, when I get up to preach and I look over the congregation. I know some of you are struggling with medical stuff and some of you are struggling with doubts and fears and others of you have had anxiety attacks and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, Lord, what, what do I say to help bring you to, to the people today? And it feels like I'm offering five loaves and two fish. But it's amazing how Sunday after Sunday God speaks into people's needs. There's some of you who are parents and who you don't think you have enough for your kids. Um, you're tired. Being parents of small kids, it's tiring. And if life throws you a curveball and you're dealing with your own stuff, whether it's finances or whether it's relational or whether whatever the challenges are, um, say, Lord, yeah. I really want to be with my kids and I really want to encourage them and help them to grow up to all, all that they can be, but Lord, I feel like five loaves and two fish. Maybe it's time to say, God, what I have is little and what they need is much, but I give what I have to you. Would you speak into their emotional and spiritual and intellectual needs? He's able to take what you give them, give him, and use it to meet the need. There's some of you who wonder if you have what it takes to be involved in ministry. Thank you people for your service in VBS this, this, this week. It was hard work. I know it was. I saw some of you on Friday. Uh, yeah, you, you, you were, <laughs> you know, it was a hard, long weekend. So good though. And uh, you learn through VBS, God can make you strong. Not just what you taught the kids, but you saw it. I grew up hearing the phrase, little is much when God is in it, and that's true. Whenever you feel under-resourced, whenever you feel inadequate, whenever you feel like you don't have much to offer, give what you have to Jesus. He's a way of blessing things to meet the need. We started off about talking about how the story is about identity. What Jesus did was impossible. You don't feed 10,000 people with a few loaves and fish. But Jesus is the God of the impossible. He rules over nature. What is impossible for you is possible with Jesus. There are some of you today who need to hear that. There are some of you who, today who need to, to know that Jesus sees you and has compassion on you. What I know about God is that he loves you. God's primary characteristic is love. doesn't matter how far away you've been, how much stuff you've done, where, what you've got involved in, God loves you right where you are, and he takes you right where you are. And he says, bring yourself just as you are, and he'll accept you that way. But he doesn't leave you there. He has a way of taking you where you are 
but then growing you into the person who you were created to be. There's some of you feeling under-resourced, and my question to you is, will you take steps towards Jesus? Will you do that as prayer? Prayer is simply talking to Jesus. It doesn't have to be flowery language. It doesn't have to be you know, theologically uh, big words or anything like that. Say, Jesus, I need you. Would you come and meet me where I'm at? I give what I have to you. Lord, would you do the impossible in me? Help me to follow you. He wants to meet you where you're at and show you who he is. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for what you showed in this miracle. Because in it, you showed your compassion, your love, your care, your concern. Lord, sometimes it's hard to believe that the impossible is possible with you. But for people who find themselves in, in really challenging situations, I pray that they will call out to you and, and that you will come alongside of them and meet them right where they're at. Thank you, Jesus, that you can give them, them the strength to meet today's need. So, Lord, we bless you and we give thanks for the story. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.